Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. And glorious Friday is upon us. Man, it's rainy here, but at least it's a Friday. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. You can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. Also, the Weekend Effin Review, patreon.com slash DerekHunterPodcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. That's not just me. That's science. Appreciate the support. Enter the contest. Ivana, no, Ivanka Trump versus uh, Michelle Malkin this week. Somebody's going to win an autographed book by one of them. Why not you? For the low, low, five bucks a month. For, that's pennies a day. Support the program, if you please. Much appreciated. All right, I want to get started. Let's do it. We've got a lot going on. We've got a bunch of things to talk about today, and we'll cover as much ground as we possibly can as the insanity rolls on, as a point of personal privilege, though, I just, let me see. Do I have this thing open? If you go to my Twitter feed, right there at the top, pinned to it, is a give, send, go link. I don't ask for, I don't do fundraisers very often, what have you. But I'm just uh, point out my buddy Joe the Plumber, Samuel Joseph Wurzelbacher called me a couple weeks ago when we were talking. He told me that he has stage three pancreatic cancer. He's a vet. He's, you know, he's the guy who dared ask Barack Obama a basic question, and Barack Obama screwed up and said, well, if you spread the wealth around, uh, it makes everything better. It's basically, I'm a socialist. And the media was like, oh, my God, we can't have uh, this guy out there admitting that he's a socialist. We've got to do something. And so they focused on Joe. His name's not Joe, he's uh, really Sam. Yeah, his first name is Samuel Joseph, okay? A lot of people go by their middle names. And they leaked illegally his tax returns. They, they just went after him in every way humanly possible. And by three days later, you knew more about Joe than you did about Barack Obama. I've still, to this day, never seen an interview with anybody Barack Obama went to high school or college with. Nobody giving, and not even, they don't have to be like, well, they were best friends then. Uh, like anybody who remembers him from class, anybody who dated him. Theoretically, the dude dated some people at this time in his life, but never seen anything. But if you came out and, and made that guy look like the clown that he is, suddenly you're a monster. Well, Joe is going through chemo. It's an aggressive batch of chemo. And prognosis is hopefully, is hopeful, <clears throat> is hopeful. But he is not able to work a whole lot because he ends up getting, you know, chemo wipes it out of you. As anybody who's ever known anybody who has gone through chemo can tell you. So either go to my, if you can help out, he's looking, it's a proud man. It took a little bit of convincing that this was okay and not to be embarrassed by asking for help. But if you, uh, if you have the ability and the inclination he's got to give send go it's not uh, go fund me it's give send go they won't cancel it the left would probably try to cancel him because he exists wrong 
and he still made their God look bad. So it's givesendgo.com, all one word, givesendgo.com, slash G9Y76. It's probably easier just to go to twitter.com slash Derek A. Hunter, and it's my pinned tweet. It's right there at the top, but if you can, can hook a brother up, he could definitely, he is a real plumber. He is, I swear to God, he's a real plumber. I've been, I've stayed in his, I've not stayed the night in his house, but I've gone with, we've had breakfast there. We've had, the kids have played together, went to his wedding. He's a real person and uh, is about as real as you get and could definitely use your help if you can. So check that out. All right. There is a lot going on, like I said, up on Capitol Hill, the, I, this debate over TikTok, it's amazing to me. I, I'm not a TikTok user. I'm not a, you know, I don't have an Instagram account. Well, I guess that's not technically true. I think I do have an, I get email every once in a while about, check out these things on Instagram. And it's, it's an account I probably set up, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago that never used. I'm not one of those people who are like, I just had a great lunch. Here's a picture of it. I just had a solid BM. Here's a picture of it. I don't take a bunch of pictures of myself. I know what I look like. It's unfortunate. And that's why I'm hitting the gym every day. But I, I also just don't... I grew up at a time when... Remember the Kodak disc? Remember film? Remember cameras where you... Uh, even when I moved to Washington, D.C., the digital cameras were uh, just starting out. So my whole life... I've, it's weird. You buy those digital cameras and then you lose them or whatever. And like they were kind of disposable. I remember the last actual film camera I have. I was walking. It was probably it was the week after September 11th, and my friend Doug and I were walking around the Capitol. We worked both worked across the street essentially at the Heritage Foundation, but it was that September was it was a beautiful September temperature wise, weather wise. We're walking around and I find a camera laying on the ground on the Capitol grounds with a roll of film in it with like 10 pictures taken and, and a bunch more to go. So we walked around, took pictures with it. It wasn't digital. It was film. So we took a bunch of pictures. I get the film developed and it was an Asian tourist family. How can you say it's tourist, Derek? Well, because the first part of their film was uh, pictures taken in, I don't know, Malaysia or something. And then the second one was them standing in front of, it wasn't a whole lot, but standing in front of landmarks in Washington, D.C. There was no way to find anybody. or It was just laying there in the grass. It was weird. But that was the last film camera I had. But I grew up at the time when you took a picture and you, you waited, like if you had 36 whatever um, <laughs> pictures on a, on a, a roll of film, and you go to an event, you take five pictures, you had to wait until you something else came up for you to go, I, I, need, I have an occasion to take the other 20 pictures or whatever. And the pictures that you took until then would remain a mystery. Would remain a I bet you right now in the drawer somewhere, people have got rolls of film that have not been developed. They have no idea what's on them. And you had to wait until you got the pictures back at the drugstore because why because well you found out did was i blinking did i look did i have a horrible look on my face 
It's that kind of world. So you grow up in that kind of world, and you don't go, I need, I need to document everything digitally and share it with the world. And like, I take a picture, and then I won't look at it for a couple of months, and it'll seem like old times. I'm not an Instagram person. I'm not a photograph person. I'm not. I did do uh, some vines back when Vine was a thing, but uh, I'm not a look at me. And I don't put out videos and pictures of my kids very often because people don't need to know what my kids look like. People hate me enough already. I don't need them running into or harassing my kids or anything like that. But uh, there is a generation of people out there who don't know the joys of going to pick up the pictures and then for the first time getting to see them. Remember going to weddings? And on the, I remember the first time I saw a disposable camera. That was a revelation, a disposable camera. But you go to a wedding and they put a camera, a disposable camera in the, the middle of the table. And it was a great way to save money. They're like, you take the pictures. There's 24 or 36 pictures. Or you take the pictures and we'll develop, leave the film on the table and we'll develop it. It'll be awesome. Probably a lot of jerks who walked away with those cameras, but it was a great concept. Now everybody's digital the next day or that night you got your pictures. Well, we have a society that needs immediate applause, immediate attention, immediate response, like, hate, whatever. Do say, here's I, what I'm doing. Pay attention to me. Have a reaction to it. Reaction is the, a big drug right now. I've just never been a part of that, so I don't have TikTok. Plus, I would never download anything from the Chinese communist government. Why? Because they would immediately, you know, they'll worm your way into everything in there. Every single app, every single, everything on your contacts, your banking, your whatever. So I'm not doing it. I'm not downloading it. But up on Capitol Hill today, they are grilling the CEO of TikTok over this and this is one of those situations where you look at government and you think do your business or get off the pot at a certain point don't you have to just go all right no yes or no but we've been hearing this debate what do we do about tiktok we've been hearing tiktok and potential bans for tiktok since the trump administration that's more than two years ago Trump administration was moving to ban TikTok and it was blocked by the courts. The Biden administration hemming and hawing. I mean, Joe gets a lot of money from China, so he doesn't really want to tick off his masters. But it's amazing to me to watch this thing. There's no socially redeeming quality to TikTok. And I'm not saying that you've got to ban things because they're not socially redeeming. But the debate we're having is beyond social redemption. It is a negative social impact. If you leave things to kids, you're going to end up with really bad things and really stupid things. You are. My kids right now, the whole world would be Minecraft. Minecraft everywhere. And they would enter, if they had credit cards, they'd be given credit cards. If they had bank, if they had cash, they'd be mailing cash. They are suckers for that sort of thing. Now, it's not much different if you got a kid who downloads TikTok. They'll know. It's weird. You won't know where your kid is half the time, unless you have the wherewithal to turn on the tracking, which you should do. But 
The Chinese government will, if they want to know. Now, I'm not one of those paranoid people who thinks that everybody in the United States is being tracked. The 150 million TikTok users are being tracked by the Chinese communist government everywhere. They know they're at the mall. They know they're in the gap. They know they're in Victoria's Secret. No, it's not like that. It's just like the NSA, the mass collection of data, phone data and everything by our government of Americans. They capture everything. They're not weeding through. It would be impossible to weed through everything. The people who are paranoid, the government is tracking us all. No, they're not. Frankly, you're not that interesting. The government doesn't know that you exist aside from a social security number. Frankly, don't care. You can go live in a shack in Montana and, and the government wouldn't give a damn. Hell, you blow people up and the government wouldn't notice you for a long time, wouldn't find you. But if they ever need to, if you do something else or you get on their radar another way, then they can. Then they have all of this data. If you are a teenager right now who does weird strip teases on TikTok and whatever, Nobody knows, nobody cares. But if in 20 years you end up in a position where it does matter, uh, they know they have a psych, at a minimum, they might not, I mean, you put it out there and making an ass out of yourself on social media will probably be a requirement for public service in the future. But you'll still, they'll have a, at a minimum, a psychological profile of you as a person because they will have had everything you've done tucked away somewhere in a server that was, remained undisturbed, unmolested. There's far too many. Even though China's got over a billion people, they don't have the time to sit there and sift through 150 million people's daily activities on their phone. They just catalog it. And that's the problem. That's why TikTok is a person. Ideally, you'd have the government stay out of this and you'd have parents, parent, parents going, I'm not going to let you make this mistake. Just like I'm not going to let you take hormones to alter your body or have surgery to alter your body you're a kid you're making stupid mistakes stupid decisions you're not to be trusted so i'm here to protect you that should be the job of the parent it's weird a lot of the same people of who are saying don't butcher children and i'm not going to let children be butchered are the people who say you shouldn't let your kid have tiktok so uh, there is that crossover. I'm not sure if I'm down with the government stepping in and banning it, but I'm absolutely down with the government saying, you can't put this on a government device. No way in hell, that on a government device. No way. I've had government devices. I know what they, can, uh, what they transact on those things. No way, no how. So the TikTok issue, it is a, a big one, and it's bizarre how... Like Congressman Jamal Bowman, I didn't get this audio. Congressman Jamal Bowman is a member of the squad. He's a big time lefty from New York, of course. And he's up there on Capitol Hill on the steps yesterday with all it because TikTok, TikTok is fighting for their lives. And it's weird watching this argument and, and listening to, t I, I know, used to date the uh, communications director for TikTok in the United States. And uh, they're all arguing about, well, we don't, we don't mind data. We don't do this. We don't do that. And then they keep getting caught doing these things. And then they say, well, no, 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 that's different. Those were just rogue employees. They're tracking reporters. Somebody, some people at TikTok were using all the data that they collect 
to track reporters. Now that's kind of weird. If it's not, they say well, it was it was rogue employees, it wasn't the Chinese communists, it wasn't the company at all, and you have to go. Who in the hell would track random reporters then? Like man. Bob Johnson is my favorite byline over at Politico. I need to know where he brunches. Or like, what are you possibly, what, if it's not for nefarious purposes, who in the hell is tracking random reporters' social media and their physical movements and things? Nobody, not a single human being. It's such a bizarre thing to say. It's rogue, we fired those rogue employees because they got caught but why in the hell were they doing it in the first place kind of a big deal but they have all of this data and they assure you that no we uh, we don't share it with the chinese communists we store it in china well we store it in china and in the u.s so you have duplicate copies of this yeah but the chinese communists have no say over this company except for the fact that it's mere existence its very existence i should say is in fact got the blessing of the you, you don't start a business in china right you're not in business in china with the small mom and pop the little uh, newsstand if there is such a thing in, in china you have to get government permission you are a ward of the state you don't exist as a sentient individual you don't have individual rights or freedoms you are a a wholly owned subsidiary of the state of the government so you don't get to say well i did this somehow it has well we do this in china we uh but we don't have a uh, the chinese communists they have no say over this like are you kidding me you have a three-person board in china and one member is a high-ranking member of the Chinese Communist government, the Communist Party, I should say. If that guy, the Chinese Communist official, says, I want, I think we should give all our data to Xi Jinping's government. Or, more likely, they'd say, Xi Jinping would like all of your data. What do you think the other two members of the board are going to do? Knowing that they, too, are Chinese citizens, they, too, live in China, their families live in China, their fortune resides in China, do you think they're going to go, hell no, you, I, we stand together against this. We vote it down. Now, even if they did, even if they both became tank men standing outside Tiananmen Square with groceries in your hand blocking the tank, even if they did that, do you think the Chinese communist government would go, oh, damn, well, we tried, but we just could not get a majority of the votes on the board so I guess we're out of luck and we won't be able to get that data that we want. Of course not. They'd go, oh, what happened to those other two board members? They they seem to, you're going to need two new board members. I'm not, uh, no, <laughs> it's like in uh, Die Hard. Remember, this is our Agent Johnson and I'm Agent Johnson, no relation. And then they go up there and they're going to blow away the terrorists and they end up getting killed at the rooftop of the Nakatomi Tower building because the roof blows up and it crashes the helicopter. 
and the uh, the police officer guy, the the the, the jackass there on the ground, uh, is like, uh, I guess we're going to need new FBI guys. <laughs> I guess the Chinese communists walk into the board. They're like, huh? I guess we're going to need new board members. Anybody else want to be a board member? Well, kind of a per- if you find out that the last guy disappeared because he opposed the communists getting access to all the data of the American public or public anywhere in the world, but we're concerned with America. Well, how do you think you're going to, if you're, if you're inclined to take the job, if you're going to willing to entertain the idea of taking the gig, how do you think that next people are going to vote? They're going to go, all right, yeah, I will. Sure. Riches, uh, a good life under the communist boot. A better life under the communist. Uh, all I got to do is say, go ahead and mine Americans' data? Sure, yes, I'm in favor of that. But of course, this is all predicated on the idea that there would be two other board members in China who give a damn about the privacy and the uh, safe storage and handling of data from Americans. That peop- Those people don't exist. Ask yourself this question, if you need an illustration of that. If there was an app that was collecting data of people, it's an American app, collecting data around the world, but we had protections so that Americans' data was, was taken care of, would you care that that company was doing anything with the data of the people from, say, Italy? No, are you from Italy? Did you are do you know people in Italy? Probably not, maybe, but probably not. But would you really be bothered to the point that you would say the federal government needs to act to make sure that the data of the people of Italy is protected? Even if the country of Italy says we passed a law mandating you must protect our data, they're not going to give a damn. If the company doesn't do it, the company isn't operating in Italy except in the App Store. So if they're not going to ban them from the App Store, that's fair game on the data. But ultimately, this comes down to parents needing to parent, I would just say. But you've got the, uh, the cable news network, CNN. Most people don't know that's what that stands for, but that's what that stands for. It's like beer brand beer. Except more people drink beer brand beer than watch the cable news network with any regularity. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat from Virginia, was on their morning show this morning with Don Lemon and Caitlin Collins and Poppy Harlow. And he lays out a pretty compelling case at the beginning of this. Mark Warner is concerned with privacy of Americans to some degree, to some degree, and uh, to his credit. And after he speaks here, his response is not particularly good. But I just want you to hear the, the way that Poppy Harlow is the one who's talking. Responds to Mark Warner. And note the sort of benefit of the doubt inherent in what she says. Now, who's getting the benefit of the doubt? The Chinese communist government is being given the benefit of the doubt by this CNN anchor. Then ask yourself, when was the last time that CNN anchor or any CNN anchor 
gave any Republican the benefit of the doubt in any way, shape, or form. Think about that one for a second. Chinese law trumps anything that the, the corporate management wants to do. And I would point out one other thing that's, that I, I think will make, hopefully make the point. President Xi and the Chinese leadership have said, you know, they would rather get rid of TikTok in America than give up the source code, the, the magic formula that resides in Beijing uh, if through divestiture part of the requirement was that source code had to be located in America. There's two, two points of, of fact here, Senator, and I, I think a lot of people share your sure. concerns, but our Brian Fung did a great fact check just on what we actually know versus the fears that are laid out. There is no public evidence that the Chinese government has actually spied on people through TikTok. There was that surveillance of journalists, which was very troubling. They were fired. Terrible that happened. But also to date, no public evidence that Beijing has harvested TikTok's commercial data for intelligence or other purposes. I, I just wonder if you have any fear about choking something off that let helps me, let a lot just, of let me try to, creators. Okay. Let me just finish the question. Choking something off that that, sure. that means a lot to a lot of creators and small businesses and is a source of revenue for them in that way uh, before these worst fears are realized. I've read through your Restrict Act. I know what it does, but just respond to that concern. I do love the benefit. Look, there's they, uh, yeah, sure. There, there's no evidence whatsoever that they've, Mind, well, I mean, except for the one time that they mine data from journalists. Now, normally, if you offend one journalist, a liberal, I, I, let me rephrase that. Normally, if you offend one liberal journalist, the rest of them circle the wagons going, oh, my God, can you believe this? How dare you? This is a threat to democracy, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, blah, blah. We saw this. If you're a liberal journalist, they will protect you. If you're not a liberal journalist, like we had that blow up this week in the White House press briefing room, they don't really give a damn. <laughs> if you're a, a black guy from Africa who refuses to follow the left-wing liberal line, the other reporters in the White House press corps will tell you to shut up. You'll get uh, white guy Brian Karam telling you, hey, behave yourself. Learn your place, man. Don't you know? But if you are the Chinese communists and your company, because there's really no such thing as private companies in China. There are companies that exist that individuals are allowed to operate on. Remember Jack Ma? Jack Ma? Jack Ma, M-A. He was for a while, he's one of the world's richest men. Alibaba is his website. It's like the Chinese, the Asian version of of Amazon. I've done, not super impressive, but he's worth billions of dollars. And he said something critical, or I think it was he said something uh, in support of freedom in Hong Kong or whatever it was. And then he disappeared for a while. They didn't kill him. He was far too rich and famous around the world to be disappeared permanently because when he went missing is like that uh, that tennis pro who accused a Chinese government official of raping her and then she disappeared for a while all the people the tennis world kind of noticed that uh, this Chinese tennis pro disappeared what's the dealio where'd she go and then she showed back up a couple of months later and she said, oops, I wasn't raped. 
sorry about that. I was mistaken or whatever it was. Like I, I don't, I don't think people make that kind of mistake. But okay, well, Jack Ma showed back up. Proof of life. Hey, Jack Ma's alive. Jack Ma used to travel the world. He used to be involved in, in sort of PR Blitzworth company, and you could get an interview with you. I don't think I've seen Jack Ma be interviewed in a couple of years now. Because why? Because he, he dared be critical of the Chinese Communist government. He was too high profile to be disappeared. But there's no such thing as being too high profile to be tortured, to be threatened, to be quote unquote re-educated but you have a cnn anchor sitting there going oh yeah no no no. they they had these reporters they did harvest their data that one time but those people have been fired it was just that one time now you're whose word are you taking for this you're taking the word of the chinese communist government isn't that a bit weird that their reporter at cnn you're saying well we our own so and so whatever the guy's name is he he did uh, some fact checking on this and yeah sure there was that one time that they did exactly what they swore up and down they'd never do but it was rogue employees who were dismissed they were in no way doing it at the behest of the chinese communist government because uh, the Chinese Communist government has said they didn't do that, and they would never in a million years ever do those sorts of things. And then she says, my favorite line in the whole thing, there's no public evidence that Beijing is harvesting data. That reminds me of, what, Al Gore. There is no, remember Al Gore, there is no controlling legal authority that says this, that, or the other thing. You remember Al Gore repeating that back in 1998, whatever it was? What happened that caused Al Gore to say that? Al Gore, in the 1996 campaign, then vice president, went to a, a Buddhist monastery in California where all the people who lived there, everybody involved in that monastery, had taken a vow of poverty. And Al Gore and Clinton Gore, 96, had a fundraiser there. Now, there wasn't a single American there to begin with. It's a Chinese monastery, Chinese monks, taking a vow of poverty. Al Gore went there and came out with $200,000. Where did that money came, come from? It came from the Chinese Communist government. Al Gore pleaded ignorance, had no idea, and he didn't do it, and it wasn't a fundraiser, blah, blah. They had every kind of excuse. And then when there was an investigation by congressional Republicans, that's when Al Gore gave his little press conference. And, uh, I believe it was a press conference. I don't think he ever testified. Where he talked about there is no, he said it like 10 times, there is no controlling legal authority that demonstrates or says or suggests that what I did was wrong. There was a phrase that nobody had ever heard before. Not a standard of, you know, not a bar to read. Like, well, the prosecutors are thinking about prosecuting him for breaking the law, obviously taking foreign contributions knowingly. There's no, why else would he go to a, to a campaign fundraising event at a place uh, where everybody took a vow of poverty with people, none of whom can vote for you. Why else would you do that unless you're laundering money from there? No, oh, by the way, the guy who set up that fundraiser for Clinton Gore 
was a Chinese national who fled the country once it became known and has not been back in the country since then because he he's not stupid. He recognizes he would have some splaining to do. There's no controlling legal authority. I didn't hear anything that robotic until... Um, with James Comey, when he was he's laying out this very strong case against Hillary Clinton that she broke the law, and then he says, but no reasonable prosecutor or whatever would do this. Like, wait a second. What are you, you just declared, you just pointed out how she broke the law. Prosecutor's supposed to prosecute. Little did I know that Comey was giving us a look into the future. Uh, prosecutors going, meh, you're cool. I know you broke the law, but it's all good. But Poppy Harlow saying there's no public evidence that the public evidence would have to come from China. Aside, as she says, there's no public evidence aside from the time they did it to reporters. But there's no other evidence than there's no look. There's no evidence of that uh, this person that OJ murdered anybody aside from the two decapitated bodies. But other than that, there's no evidence. I mean, the DNA, but uh, not anybody else. There's no public evidence that he murdered anybody else except for Ron and Nicole. There's no public evidence that Beijing is harvesting data. Well, what's your fact check on that? Well, we called Beijing, and Kim uh, Xi Jinping's spokesman says, no, we, we ne- would never do anything that would exploit the American people or their data for our own advantage. Never in a million years. So there you go. Problem solved, right, CNN? Yeah. I don't know if you should ban it uh, by the government, but I know you should ban it from your house. Ban it from your kids no matter how popular they think it makes them. All right, let us go from the virus that is communism to the virus that is communism. And, well, COVID, really. The origins of COVID. There was a hearing up on Capitol Hill with uh, pharmaceutical CEOs, the Secretary of State. It is the lack of curiosity on behalf of Democrats, but uh, I should say more specifically, although the administration leads the party on this, but on behalf of the Biden administration, the lack of curiosity of a COVID origin is amazing. It's stunning to me that they can look at this situation Say it caused millions of deaths around the more more deaths under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump, but they ignore that part. Uh, it caused wreaked havoc around the world. They blame it for everything bad in the economy. It's it's responsible for inflation, not the massive spending they did because of it, not the opportunistic spending that they did, the opportunistic printing of $2 trillion and rewarding their friends that they did in response to this new, no, 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 no. Blah, blah, except, I mean, you, you get these arguments all the time. It is, it'd be racist to acknowledge that the virus even came from China. It was the Chinese coronavirus. It was the Wuhan and it, oh my god you can't do that and then people conservatives pointed out how viruses are always named after where they came from where they were well, not came from but where they were first discovered and it didn't matter west nile virus where do you think that came from what general 
geographic region do you think that came from, etc., etc. And they didn't care. They said, well, it doesn't matter. We don't want to offend our Chinese masters. And they also weirdly, if you really want to know what Democrats think about you, think about us, think about the American people in general, every time there's anything that can't directly be blamed on a white guy, a straight white guy, I should say, a straight white guy, or as they say it, a cis white male. What do they do? They immediately say, don't talk about that. Don't talk about the way it came from. Don't ignore where it came. Don't talk about how it started. Don't talk about who's committing this crime. Look at this video of a target being robbed, but pay no note to any of the similarities to all the teens running in there and uh, you know robbing the sunglass hut blind or whatever. You know, okay, well, it's weird. I can I can recognize that they all happen to be, you know, if you really want to group them together, if I'm if I were giving a description to police, I wouldn't just say they're just teens. I don't I don't know anything more about them than than a rough approximation of their age because that would be wildly unhelpful. If I just described their clothing, they could change their clothes, right? So you might have to, I don't know, search for a little bit more information if you're going to give information to the police, dig a little bit deeper. But they don't, you can't do that. You can't do that unless it's a a straight white guy and then it's all their fault. The reason they, I bring this up is because why? Because the left believes, and it tells you something about them. If you're sitting around thinking that your spouse is cheating on you, there's really only two possibilities. You've, you've been cheated on before. It's possible. And uh, you're just paranoid. It's possible. That's a small percentage of the people. Most people move on from that. It could be a little bit different if it was your husband or wife. But, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, you've been cheated on. You've probably been cheated on. You may have found out about it or suspected it, and you just move on. Maybe you're a little suspicious moving forward, but it doesn't cripple you. Either that or you, and I've known people like this, and I was, uh, to a lesser extent, this guy when I was younger. You were cheating on your girlfriends or boyfriends, and you sort of justified it by saying, well, they're probably cheating on me too. They're probably, I'm going to cheat on them before they cheat on me. It's a BS justification for you. Just want to screw around. Like that's it. It's not. It's not like well, I'll show them because then when I catch them with their uh, secret side boyfriend, I can say I've been doing it too. Ha ha! I'll have this little card in my pocket. It does. That's not what it is. It's that's your justification for it. So when Democrats talk about don't say the Wuhan virus, don't say the don't do this, that, or the other thing. Don't acknowledge, do not, there are news stories where they're actively describing a wanted criminal, a wanted violent criminal, and they make no mention of what the person looks like. They look at police are looking for a biped in a shirt and pants with shoes on. Oh, well, all right then. That kind of narrows it down to everybody. Why? Because the left believes that everybody in the United States is just one vaguely worded 
sense of re- story of reality away from being a, a rabid Klansman or a horrible racist, a lynch mob, essentially. Right? That's what they say. Do not talk about this. It, it, will, it has caused or will cause a rise in anti-Asian hate if you acknowledge that uh, COVID came from Wuhan and Wuhan is in China. Because Americans, their words, Americans are so damned stupid that they won't know that an Asian guy walking down the street is not the guy who created this virus and unleashed it on the world. It's wildly stupid, but that's what they believe. That's firmly what they believe. That's why when you see, you know, there's a drag queen who's been charged with molesting children or whatever, some left-wing LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ teacher with a long social media history of saying, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to say gay all we want in schools. You can, they get arrested for child pornography. The guy, mayor here in, in Maryland, good friends with Mayor Pete. He was mentored by Mayor Pete. He's sitting in jail for having a whole bunch of child porn. And the stories disappeared. Why? Because they believe that if they report on it, then there will be an angry mob of moronic Americans who will run out and find every gay person and beat holy hell out of them because we just don't know what individual... The party that supports the concept of individual rights and responsibilities suddenly forgets what the individual is and goes and becomes a member of the collective mob going after people with similar and irrelevant characteristics. That's actually how the left thinks. They're the ones who look at somebody and immediately put them in a group and go, you're you're this color, you vote this way, you should think this, you do this, you do that, you do the other thing. So in a way, they are the person who is cheating on their boyfriend because they say, well, my boyfriend's probably cheating on me. It's better that I get revenge, prevenge, before I get it. It's bizarre. That's the manner in which we have operated when it comes to discovering the origins of COVID-19. You have one side, the Republicans, that are interested in finding out why. Now, you could say, well, they want to demonize. Okay, fine. Maybe. So what? If they did it, should they not be demonized? Right? If, if, If the Chinese communist government did it, should they not be demonized for that? Because they've sworn to us they didn't do it. They've tried to wipe away all the evidence that would clear them, weirdly enough. Like, I don't know. I I don't think that it's a, uh, there's a horrible murder scene in uh, this restaurant. We're waiting for the, I did not have anything to do with it. But I'm going to wipe it down. I'm going to bleach it all. And I'm going to make sure that there are no prints anywhere. None of those prints would be mine which would vindicate me. I would not be a suspect if you just went through this thing and dusted for prints. But I'm going to wipe down all the prints quickly. You go, why would you do that? Because I would suspect that you want to wipe that down and get rid of all the prints because it's your prints everywhere. China deleting every bit of DNA that they had of, of the early form of this virus 
because the closer you get to the first time it infected a human being, you might notice that the things were artificially added to it. They wanted to cover up the evidence, but they insist there's nothing to cover up. I get it. They're communists. But the Biden administration doesn't have any interest in this either. Doesn't that seem weird? Rand Paul was questioning Antony Blinken, which I just put the H in the kid's name, okay? Antony. It's Antony with no H. Antony. Goes by Tony. Blinken. Drop the B. It's you, you should be Anthony Lincoln. All right, I don't know. Just because somebody misspelled your name at Ellis Island back in 1903 doesn't mean you got to live with it forever. Anyway, listen to this because Rand Paul wants... This is a rather long exchange, but it's worth listening to. Rand Paul wants to know the origins of COVID. He wants to know what the State Department thinks the origins of COVID are. And he's asking, and has been asking for some time, for the documents on this very debate within the State Department, kind of an important department that would be involved in this since they deal with foreign countries. He's not asking for things that are classified, even though Congress just voted unanimously to declassify all of this information. He's asking for things that are not classified, were never classified. And the State Department has been refusing to give it to them. This is public data. This is oversight duty by Congress. Democrats love oversight, except for when they're the ones being oversighted. And Tony Blinken tries to play a semantical game. Rand Paul, thankfully, won't stand for it. This is very telling about the administration's being beholden to China for some weird reason. On September 12th and November 7th of last year, I sent letters to the State Department asking for records about coronavirus research that had been funded by the State Department. The State Department refused to comply. When Assistant Secretary Sherman came, I asked her the same question. She didn't seem to be aware that you had been funding coronavirus research, but you are. And I got the I'll get back to you line. A couple weeks later, I met personally with you at the State Department and asked you the same question. Will you not divulge to us the records of the State Department's support for coronavirus research, particularly in China? You assured me you would help. We communicated several times over the phone with another assistant secretary of state who finally sent us a letter and said, no, we're not going to give you anything. So that's where we stand. And it's my question is, what's the State Department hiding? Why won't you give these records to the American people? Senator, thank you. And yes, I appreciated you raising this when we saw each other a month or so ago. My understanding is that our teams have been working to find an accommodation. There's longstanding... We've got a refusal, blanket refusal. No, they are not going to give us the records. We cannot directly provide the sure you can. Unredact, unredacted cables. We have a longstanding practice with this committee uh, about how we do... You're refusing, you're refusing to release them. No, but it's I not think that you can't. There's a difference between can and may. You won't do it. But you can do it. My hope is that we can find a, a way forward that answers your concerns so that you get the information that you're looking for. My understanding is that uh, our teams have been working on that, and I uh, commit to continue to do that so we can get you the... the uh, We're talking about unclassified material. Most of this is unclassified. And so we just had a unanimous vote in the Senate and in the House 
And President Biden just signed a, a, a bill saying he's going to declassify stuff. But if you declassify it and you still hide it from the American people, that's a problem. I mean, we spend all of this time lambasting authoritarians and for lack of transparency. We have these silly networks on TV that are aligned with the Democrat Party saying democracy is under attack. Well, do you think transparency has something to do with democracy? You're refusing to give records on research money that went for research. We want to read the research grant proposals. We want to read what the people in Wuhan sent back to the State Department saying they did. Which viruses did they create? Because the thing is, is it sounds all great. We're going to identify all the viruses of the world. But part of what they do is they take a virus they found 200 feet down in a cave and they mix it with another virus to create a virus that doesn't exist in nature because they say that's how we're going to further identify it. There's a big debate that should be had whether that's safe to take a virus from 100 feet down a bat cave 12 hours south of Wuhan and take it to a city of 10 million. And yet you won't help us investigate this. You refuse, and it makes it is reminiscent of the countries we criticize for lack of transparency. And yet you sit there and say you're still going to continue to refuse. It really is interesting, and it does make you wonder, what is it that they don't want us to know, and why don't they want us to know it? There is nothing that I can think of that is not already out in the public sphere in speculative form. The only thing that I can think of is it's all true and they're just desperately trying to hide it or the truth that they're trying to hide is even worse than people are speculating about, which is, well, it's within the realm of possibility, actually. I'd say it's horrifying and it is, but it's also wouldn't be all that surprising. It is not just... The origins of COVID that were up on Capitol Hill yesterday with Rand Paul, although that uh, that exchange with Tony Blinken was telling. I just love when you ask somebody a direct question and they're like, well, uh, we're going to definitely have our staff look into that for you. Like you, you it's a it's a da or net question, comrade, to put it in terms you'll understand. It's a yes or no question. And you go, well, I um, you've got to do this. You're going to hear that a lot, too. This is uh, Stefan, I believe is how you pronounce Stefan Bansel. He is the CEO of Moderna. Billions and billions of dollars that uh, have they have gotten from our government. And it turned out that we found out that they have paid $400 million in uh, royalty fees to employees of the National Institute of Health. And you're like, what? How how is it? That's kind of how it works. That's kind of how it works. And Rand Paul is pointing this out, and it's rather disturbing, and it should upset everybody. The conflict of interest. What do they say about anything and everything having to do with anybody in conservative politics who owns a business? What did they say about Donald Trump? Donald Trump owns companies. There's a clear, con- there could be conflicts of interest. He had to divest himself of all of his businesses. He basically had to make, he had to live in a tent in the street to avoid conflicts of interest or even the appearance of conflicts of interest. But Hunter Biden running around selling access to whatever God knows what and promising them God knows what and delivering God knows what for millions upon millions, tens of millions of dollars. There's no conflict of interest there and don't even look into it. And you're the part of the problem if you even ask that question. This is 
the mentality it's it's not even a double standard it is standards and no standards it's 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 technically a double standard a, a double standard would be you got to do 20 push-ups but this guy's only got to do 10 like hey that's a double standard no the uh the way it is is you got to do 20 push-ups and you just pass the other one the other guy just passes that's standards and no standards so when it comes to conflict of interest with people who are advocating for and setting the guidelines for things being regularly routinely injected into your body and the payment for said things the fact that the people who are even some of them not all of them but some of them involved in that process are getting a uh, their beak wet part of that 400 million dollar royalty payment a royalty look there are a lot of things that go into these vaccines there are a lot of things that go into every vaccine and somebody invented or discovered or whatever each of these components the newer the components are the more likely the person who invented or created them is likely to be alive they patent those things it's a vital component you can't make it without it so you've got to pay them give them a piece of the action think of it as you're sort of you don't do music really you're a singer or whatever and you just yes rather than coming up with music you sample somebody else's music you when uh, uh this is a deep dive for people likely to be listening to this show but when biggie smalls got killed was shot and killed his buddy puff daddy sean combs basically rewrote every breath you take to be i'll be missing you sting made a fortune off of that because sting wrote every breath you take Puff did okay. He got his own slice of the action, but Sting didn't have to do anything, and he made a fortune off of it. It's that kind of thing. There's the NIH is employed employs a whole bunch of Stings, and the pharmaceutical companies, particularly Pfizer and Moderna, the people who are making these COVID shots, are the talentless rapper trying to dedicate something to their their murdered friend and they got to pay out the money except that sting is able to oversee radio stations and dictate how frequently this tribute song is played thereby making sure that the checks keep rolling in to sting enterprises if that makes sense the people in the NIH, a lot of them, are making a lot of money off of these COVID vaccines because they invented or patented things that are a part of it from Pfizer and Moderna. $400 million. Rand Paul sees that as a conflict of interest because they are now suggesting that you need to get regular boosters of a vaccine that is proven to be ineffective. And for some weird reason, the entirety of the political left is saying, yes, we must get regular boosters. The experts have spoken without questioning anything about these conflicts of interest or the common sense behind saying, hey, these shots are not effective. It's problematic. Maybe you shouldn't keep injecting yourself with something 
that's problematic, especially if you have natural immunity. Listen to this exchange. I recently paid NIH $400 million. Do you believe it creates a conflict of interest for the government employees who are making money now off of the vaccine to also be dictating the policy about how many times we have to take the vaccine? Good morning, Senator. Uh, indeed, we recently made, a, before Christmas last year, a $400 million payment to the NIH for uh, an old patent that they had developed, not related to COVID, but useful in the development of a COVID vaccine uh, to, to pay them for their work. Uh, it's for the U.S. government to assess how that money should be Do you think it creates a conflict of interest for the same people deciding the policy of how often we have to take the vaccine to also be making money the more times we take the vaccine? Yes or no? This is for the government to decide. Senator. You have no opinion on whether or not it creates a conflict of interest? We have no, we don't, no, you don't. You don't have an opinion on what the government thinks because right now this government is in agreement with you and is aligned with you financially. So you're not going to say, no, it is a little, nobody's going to say the obvious. Obviously, it's a conflict of interest. Obviously, it's a conflict of interest. Hey, I can mandate you get something that gives me money. Now, the People who got their slice of the $400 million, they have the added layer of insulation and that it's a third-party payer. In this case, it's the federal government. See, there would be more pushback, and Democrats might, I can only say might, might have, some of them might have a different attitude toward this were it something that individuals had to pay for, right? Mandate you get the shot pressure you to get the shot, whatever, make it a prerequisite in order to attend school or things like that or go anywhere, do anything. And it costs you five bucks a piece or 10 bucks a piece or 40 bucks a piece or whatever they want to charge. The people who have to pony up would be really pissed off. I'm not going to, what do you mean? I got to pay for this. You're making me take it in hand. I got to pay for it. But the third party payers, the government, the government's writing a check. Here's a billion dollars. Here's another billion dollars. Here's another billion dollars for doses that they end up largely throwing away now. It doesn't really get the coverage. These things have a limited shelf life. They have to be maintained at certain temperatures. And uh, the efficacy, to the extent that there is any measurable efficacy in these things, dissipates pretty readily, and it is needed to be temperature controlled. Right? Remember all the stories that uh, they're throwing away vaccines because nobody's coming to get the shots and they're running PSA. You got to go get this. Go get a booster. Go get another booster. Go get another, another, another booster. And you're sitting there going, I'm not going to stop injecting me with these things. I'm not a junkie. I'm not interested in being shot up. And so they end up throwing away a whole bunch of doses. Now, this was a big scandal at the beginning because people were under the impression because they were lied to by the government or maybe it was effective at the beginning but the virus mutated or whatever whatever the case it was they're like oh my god did you hear that they threw away a th there were news stories all over the place they threw away a thousand doses down in louisville kentucky because there weren't enough people or somebody had mishandled there were people getting into trouble getting into criminal trouble with liberal prosecutors because and I, I think it was Texas, I remember the one case. Remember, you're supposed to prioritize the elderly and whatever. And then the teachers union said, we want priority. But the doses had such a short shelf life. 
that they were expiring and they were going to be thrown out. And somebody down in Texas called up fans or friends or family or whatever it was today, come down here. We've got a bunch of doses of the vaccine that are about to be thrown. They're going to be thrown out after today. And there aren't people here getting these things. And people were charged with crimes. People were fired for doing just that. Remember that? Now it's routine. Now they just throw, ah, who cares? We've got a standing order with the government. The Biden administration has already prepaid billions of dollars to these these pharmaceutical companies. And they're delivering it because they don't, the pharmaceutical company doesn't give a damn what happens to the buyer, to the shot once that juice bottle leaves their factory. The check cleared. That's it. So you have the people who are the ones saying, well, we should probably have a, I don't know, what do you say, a, a booster every year? A booster every year is pretty good, but you know what's better than a booster every year? A booster every six months. Do you know what's even better than a booster every six months? Is a booster every three months. Now, it's weird because they're justifying this. How? They're justifying this by the fact that people who get the shot then end up getting COVID. Have you noticed that? Joe Biden, he's a pincushion. He's been getting the shot and he's had COVID. Fauci got the shot, got a COVID a couple times. COVID, COVID, shot, COVID, shot, COVID. Like I'll take a shot in a beer, except I'll have a shot in COVID. So the efficacy, in air quotes, to the extent that there is any efficacy left in these shots is very limited so they're saying all right we'll just get another shot just gonna get the new booster because the new booster is formulated to help you against the old variant remember that we're like five variants beyond where we were when the booster came out (laughs) it was like hey this booster will help you with uh, the delta variant delta variant's been gone or around or whatever for for a year, it's kind of too late. The horse has left the Delta barn in that one. Delta Dawn, what's that flower you've got on? It's an old version of COVID. So they're just telling you to get more and more shots without going, maybe we, maybe we shouldn't have constant boosters. Even if mRNA is harmless, because it's not working. That should be the first and foremost thing on anybody's mind is, is this working? If the answer is no, it's not working, then you stop doing it. But the people who would say, you know what, this isn't really working out are the people who just got a big ass slice of a $400 million royalty payment, right? And that's a pretty sweetheart deal. It's problematic. Speaking of viruses, we got more on COVID in a second, but this story has been uh, sort of percolating in the back of my mind since I saw it back in 2020. And it's talking about the efficacy, because I don't know if there's an update over this, but the efficacy of vaccines. Headline, this is Associated Press back in September 2020, UN says new polio outbreak in Sudan caused by oral vaccine. The World Health Organization says a new polio outbreak in Sudan is linked to an ongoing vaccine-sparked epidemic in Chad a week after the UN Health Agency declared the African continent free of the wild polio 
virus. They were giving people, kids, this oral, look, why do you mess with it? Nobody likes shots, but shots are effective. If, if the polio vaccine being administered by a shot has been effective since the 1950s, since Jonas Salk, who didn't patent it, by the way, he did not. The one guy who could have justifiably made billions of dollars eradicating this horrible disease did not patent it, chose not to. He wasn't getting royalty checks. He didn't make any money off the polio vaccine. He made all the goodwill in the world and got upgraded to a first-class ticket to heaven. But they're messing with it. They go, oh, well, people don't like getting shots. Let's make an oral version. It turns out that the oral version caused the, the virus to come into being. It, it, was, it was a diluted. They messed with the formula. The WHO said it found 11 additional vaccine-derived polio cases in Sudan and that the virus had also been identified in environmental samples. If there is an outbreak, it is because of these idiots messing with things. And by idiots, I mean this is all funded, by the way, by Bill Gates. In rare instances, the live polo virus and the oral vaccine can mutate into a form capable of sparking new outbreaks. Well, I hope these people, I haven't found a follow-up, I hope these people recognize this problem and go back to the version of the polio vaccine that works. And I hope that these people recognize that the COVID vaccine doesn't work and try something else or just leave people the hell alone to get natural immunity. I don't know, but it's... It's worth noting these things. So while Rand Paul's sitting there grilling, grilling Tony Blinken, Tony Blinken, I'd ask him, what happened to the H? And what's with the B? Come on, man. I want to see some documentation on all of this. He was also talking to Stefan Banzel, the CEO of Moderna. Now, they went on quite a bit. They had a, a, a hell of an exchange about myocarditis and the efficacy of the vaccine or the, even the necessity of the shot for children, particularly young men, where the myocarditis, look, myocarditis is a problem across all age groups. However... It is particularly acute with young boys. With and they are also they're not immune. It's the weird thing. Like, look, if your kid has a pre-existing condition or what have you, of course you're going to seek anything to protect them. There are people who still my kids do chorus. They get together at a church uh, and they they sing with other kids and they're different age groups. And there's one kid there who. Wears a mask all the time. His mom wears a mask all the time. The kid has something, whatever, or somebody in the family does. I don't know. I didn't ask. Doesn't matter. It's their choice. But it's pretty clear that there's something that may be immunocompromised going on there, and uh, just let him go. Makes it annoys the hell out of me. It annoys the hell out of me either way. But when you other kids show up and they're hacking like they're a two pack a day smoker for the last fifty years, and like, all right. Just stay home. I guess you paid for this, but I don't care. 
All right? You got to take the L. Let it go. And stop getting everybody sick because you're too bad of a parent to tell Junior no or you just want Junior out of the house or whatever. But under those circumstances, you, you'd be, uh, it'd be understandable that you would go and get the shot. The risk, the increased risk of myocarditis is worth it because the actual literal risk from COVID is significantly higher. But that is the exception, not the rule. And we as a society now, it's perverse what we've become. We used to not be controlled by the exception, but by the rule. 99% of people X, Y, or Z, therefore this. Now it is 1%, less than 1% of the people X, Y, or Z, so the 99% must conform. It's, it's, it's more, most acute in the, uh, the trans issue. Oh, you're going to offend somebody's sensibilities. They're very delicate people, very fragile people. So if you use the wrong pronouns, you might push them over the edge. No, no. If my use of reality-based pronouns, the proper use of the English language, there's no pushing them over the edge. They're on the edge ready to jump. There's a difference, right? They're on the edge ready to jump, wanting to jump. They're standing on the edge for the attention standing on the edge gets. I'm not convinced they're really going to jump. But even if they do jump, they've jumped. Nobody pushed them. Wasn't even a stiff breeze that day. So spare me all this self-righteous garbage. We are now becoming ruled by the exception and not the rule. Same with COVID recommendations. The CDC telling people, get the shot, get your kids the shot, get all the kids the shot. They're pushing to try and make it mandatory in order to attend public school in this country that you've got to get the shot. You've got to. It'll protect everybody around you, even though it it doesn't. It doesn't. It has a higher failure rate than a Pinto. But they are pushing it anyway. Rand Paul asked... Moderna about this yesterday. Is there a higher interest or a higher incidence of myocarditis among adolescent males 16 to 24 after taking your vaccine? So thank you for the question, Senator. First, let me say we care deeply about safety and we're working closely to, with the CDC and the FDA. To Pretty get... much a yes or no. Is there a higher incidence of myocarditis among boys 16 to 24 after they take your vaccine? The data I've shown actually, I've seen, sorry, from the CDC actually shown that there's less myocarditis for people who get the vaccine versus who get COVID infection. You're, you're saying that for ages 16 to 24 among males who take the COVID vaccine, their risk of myocarditis is less than people who get the disease. That is my understanding. That sir. is not true. And I'd like to enter into the record six peer-reviewed papers from the Journal of Vaccine, the Annals of Medicine that say the complete opposite of what you say. I also spoke with your president just last week, and he readily acknowledged in private that, yes, there is an increased risk of myocarditis. The fact that you can't say it in public is quite disturbing. Boom. Boom. The haymaker. Down goes Frazier. I met with the president of your company. You're the CEO. I met with the president of your company. He said in private last week, yeah, this there is. 
Now, I don't want to cause panic, and just to give it some perspective, the I don't know, the numbers are very small. But let's just say the number out of uh, 10,000 is in, in the general public is one per 10,000 or 100,000 myocarditis occurring in nature, whereas if you get the COVID vaccine and you're of that age group, that maybe goes up to 1.5 or 2 per 100,000. It is still a very small risk, but it is an increased risk. And the data has shown unequivocally that it is an unnecessary risk to take, right? Why would you voluntarily take unnecessary risks when the other side of it is no risk? Like you're you're in more jeopardy of having an adverse reaction to the shot than you are to COVID. So even if the damn shot worked, what would it? Why would you do it? We're at that uh, stage in uh, the kid's life where they're able to get into the booster chair, right, in the car, rather than the five-point restraint chair, the car seat. Now, we have two car seats, and Quinn Quinn is the one who's old enough to sit in it. And when we went down to Florida to visit the in-laws, they had the, the, the booster seat. Quinn is quite capable of sitting in the booster seat. You just put the shoulder strap on and what have you, and boom. And she was she was comfortable with it. Well, I was uncomfortable. I, I, I guess I wasn't uncomfortable with it. Not like we did a lot of driving, but I... Uh, my wife bought the booster seats. They're like 20 bucks or whatever. And like, we can put this in the, the car. It's a Quinn fits. Quinn fits. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm being paranoid. But Quinn fits in it. She's not a giant. She's tall, but she's not giant. She still fits in the five-point harness seat. My wife isn't a very good driver, to be honest with you. She had eye issues from when she was a kid. And she's a very nervous driver. So when she drives the kids, I'm much more comfortable with both the kids being in a five-point restraint harness seat. Now, she leaves the belt a little too loose for my taste, and I go behind her and always tighten it up. But in general, I don't trust other people. So I'm sitting there, and I put them, I drive. I'm not going to let them roam around the car. I want to keep them in there. They're perfectly safe. Quinn is according to all the guidelines and what have you. And God, I didn't have a car seat when I was a kid. So like, it's not like I uh, can say from firsthand experience, car seats saved my life and therefore I'm going to keep them in a car seat forever. But it's an added risk that right now, as long as she's fitting in that car seat comfortably, why wouldn't you? It's not an added risk to put her in the booster seat, but it is it it's diminished safety a little bit, just a little bit, that I'm like, it's not worth it. The seat is in the car. Just, just leave it there for now. And that's kind of how it is. It's, it's up to you, your own decision, in all of these scenarios. But Rand Paul is making a great point. The increased risk outweighs the reward in the case of the shot. If it were the same, if it were even, then you make an argument for it. But our government pressuring parents to get their kids to get this shot and lying to them 
but not lying to them, obscuring the reality about myocarditis is the problem. Of course, the weasel from Moderna, their CEO, is not going to tell you, yeah, you know what, I wouldn't give my kid a shot at anything at all. He's, he basically admits that he's treated his kids like a pincushion. He's got booster after booster after booster because why? First of all, we don't know that that's true. We only have his word to base it on. All these people going, oh, you get the booster, you get the booster. I've got the booster. Get boosted. And you go, wait a sec. You do what you want with yourself, but how are we supposed to believe you? Honestly, I wouldn't be, because you see Joe Biden, when he was getting a shot, he was getting the booster, he was doing this, and they do it out in public. I'd question, all right, I want to, I want to know, how do I know that's the real thing? Could just be saline. You might really want to get paranoid. I wouldn't put anything past these people. Anyway, the exchange between Rand Paul and uh, Stefan Bensel from the, I assume he's from Deutschland, on Moderna, continues. Do you think it's scientifically sound to mandate three vaccines for adolescent boys? This is for the public health leaders to decide. You've been advocating for it. You've been interviewed and you've been advocating for boosters. Do you know when the myocarditis is most common among these adolescent boys after the second dose? When I spoke with your president, he readily acknowledged in private, yeah, that maybe there ought to be a discussion whether we ought to have one vaccine versus two versus three. If 90% of the myocarditis comes after the second dose, why don't we have a rational discussion about one? Marty McCary, a physician from Johns Hopkins, has said exactly the same thing. It's been discussed, and yet we have this ridiculous notion from the CDC. So the CDC says, and I'll ask you this question. Let's start it as a question. Your 16-year-old's had COVID. Your 16-year-old gets better and now has recovered from COVID. You vaccinate them and they get myocarditis. Are you going to give them two more vaccines? Your child, give them two more vaccines? I'm not a clinician. I will have to discuss. You have children. I do. Have you vaccinated your children? I have. How many times? Three or four times. Three or four times. Three or four times. I don't know. I don't keep track of who's sticking needles into arms of my children. I have the help. To, I'm a billionaire now, thanks to this uh, ineffective shot. I have people who take my children to their physician. I'm told they take their We live in different houses and different continents. But uh, I'm told that they are getting shots all the time. I don't know these things. It's not my problem. What a disaster. And look, it's his product. It's his product. Should maybe there just be one dose for kids since the problem occurs after the second shot six weeks later? Oh, this is for clinicians. To, really? It's, for, it's, it's yours. It's your problem. You build a car, and every once in a while, one of them randomly blows up. It's your problem. You don't go, well, uh, you should talk to your dealer about maybe the car blowing up. I don't, I don't know such things. It's not my problem. I build the car. What am I supposed to do with the car? It blows up. It blows up. These things, these happen. These, these, nothing is perfect. You might want to, I don't know, look into it. You might have some recommendations. Or if uh, you know your product is being misused. You can do all of this, by the way, if you have 
immunity from consequence. And that's what our government, the previous administration and the current administration, have given these companies. Immunity from consequence. The emergency use authorization comes with it. That designation comes with it. Immunity from if we all start growing third eyes in the middle of our forehead or arms out of our backs. Well, it was unforeseen circumstance. Well, that's okay. I'm going to sue because this thing caused me to, I don't know, turn to sand. Sorry. The government granted these people immunity. This is what happens when you govern in a state of panic. You govern in a state of emotion. You wave the magic wand and just make panicked, hurried decisions that are not rational or logical. And the consequences be damned. And people are out there on their fifth or sixth booster. You live how your life how you want to, but to mandate it, to make it official government policy is something altogether different and something very damning and dangerous, especially while they're sitting there with immunity. And that allows him to go, look, I don't... If you want to, it, it, it's up for the clinicians to to figure out. It's your product, all right. It's your product. You should be responsible for it. You should have a say and a thought or two about how it should be used or administered. One would think, if you're an honest human being, maybe he's just not. As we wrap it up, Wall Street Journal has a, a story here. It, it, there are videos all over social media. I keep seeing them. People robbing, you, you've seen them, robbing cosmetics, stores, uh, robbing. If you go to a, last time I was in New York, I was in New York, Manhattan, last June for a uh, an award ceremony for my wife. And I went to a Dwayne Reed, which is a drugstore. They're all over the place. But the Manhattan, it's they're ubiquitous. And if you want some water, you want anything, you, you go to Dwayne Reed. 90% of the store was behind plastic. Not behind like plastic, like the the cheap way they make a, a cooler or refrigerator, keep in the cool. They were locked up. It was locked up. You wanted shampoo, you had to get somebody. You wanted detergent, you had to get somebody. You wanted toothpaste, you had to get somebody. You wanted tampons, you had to get somebody. You wanted hair dye, you had to get somebody. Ironically, if you wanted food... It was out there in the open. Nobody was stealing food, apparently. When you hear all these people say, well, it's a horrible situation. People are starving. People are hungry. People are... No, people are not. At the Dwayne Reed, you'll not find a Dwayne Reed in New York, at least you wouldn't a year ago, where they are uh, saying, hey, don't, don't steal the food. Nobody was stealing the food. But this uh, Wall Street Journal story, Retailers say theft is rising as more people shop in stores, cutting into profits that were already under pressure. Quote, we definitely had an uptick since last year, Macy's chief executive Jeff Gannett told analysts earlier this month. It's an industry-wide trend. Target said in November that it expected the problem known in the industry as shrink, it's actually called shrinkage, to reduce the gross margins for the recently completed fiscal year by more than $600 million. Yeah. 
Target and Macy's also called out higher shrinkage rates in recent calls with analysts. Quote, theft is growing at a faster rate than sales. Dean Rosenbaum, senior U.S. retail analyst for Berenstein Research. That's amazing. Theft is growing at a faster rate than sales. It's not the only reason the $2 trillion in unnecessary printing of money has led to a lot of the inflation, but another contributing factor to inflation is retail theft, a lot of retail theft, unpunished retail theft. Unpunished retail theft leads to more retail theft because why the hell would you buy something if you see some jackass walking in with a garbage bag, filling it up and walking out unmolested as employees go, it's a damn shame what's going on here. Because even if you are arrested, the prosecutor will be a progressive in these Democrat cities, a progressive leftist prosecutor who goes, well, society's really to blame here. We're going to drop the charges or there's no cash bail and you'll be out by lunchtime. In fact, there really isn't much going on right now that Democrats aren't doing, that Democrats aren't engaged in that is good and not contributing to inflation. So next time you go to some retail store and you go, oh, they're ripping people off with these prices. It's not. It's the people ripping the place off, the places off, that are causing things to cost more. And it's the Democrats who are indulging them, justifying, explaining it away, ignoring it, and refusing to punish them. Because of overcriminalization. We have an overcriminalization problem because we have too many criminals in this country. But they should all subscribe to this show and they should all go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to enter the contest to win the autographed books and listen to the Weekend Half in Review. And for a low, low price of five bucks a month, just help the program out. Help me because I'm the program. I appreciate everybody who does that. Uh, welcome anybody else to do that. I thank you for the use of your ears this week. Hopefully I'll see you at midnight with the Week in F and Review. Or uh, you at least sign up for it and don't listen to it if swearing ain't your cup of meat. There are some people who do do that. And I appreciate them even more because they are, well, they enter the contest. But it's like they're not getting the bonus content because people just don't like swearing. I admire that. I admire that. I don't adhere to it. I certainly am not. I I swear all the time. But... I appreciate the hell out of the support. That is for sure. Have yourself an awesome weekend. Hopefully it's dry where you are. We've got to build an arc here. But uh, it's supposed to be nice on the other side of it. We'll be back on the other side of it to do it all over again because the stupidity never stops. Thanks for listening.